Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministries. This is Season 3, Episode 1, The First. I like to kind of try to bookend each season. So, Season 1, I started with the beginning and I ended with the end. And then Season 2, I started with Genesis and I ended with Revelation. And this season, I'm starting with the first and I'm going to end with the last. So... What happens in between, you know, we're just going to kind of do what I always do. And as I kind of just rant and wander around and hope, hope I make my point, hope I can make this word come without walls, without all the, you know, religious stuff that a lot of times keeps people from really understanding the simplicity of the gospel. I just want to make it accessible. I just want to make it real. I just want to make it simple. Uh, you know, just practical, something to help us get from the start of the day to the end of the day. Because I think really in large part, that's what most people are trying to do every single day is just get from the start of the day to the end of the day. And I know that I, for sure, for one, I can't do it without Jesus. I can't do it without love. So I try to make these things practical. I try to make them useful. I try to keep it short and sweet, you know, half an hour long so you can have something to chew on, but not to choke on. Uh, I like to call it the the hit and run uh, ranting that I do. So with all that said, let's jump right into it. And uh, I guess maybe a little bit ironically, but also kind of picking up on what we were talking about last week, I want to first read the entire first chapter of Revelation. And the reason for that is Jesus says a couple of times Uh, He identifies himself, as we're going to see, as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And before we even get into anything else, that's what we have to understand about everything. It's Jesus. Jesus is the first. Jesus is the last. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the end. Jesus is the Genesis. Jesus is the revelation. It's all Jesus. And when you understand that it starts with him and it ends with him, in as much as, you know, an, an eternal everlasting, abundant resurrection life can end. When we understand that it starts with him and ends with him, we can also start to understand what it means that he's also everything in between. The messianic rebirth of the world, which happened, you know, 2000 years ago on the cross, when Jesus remade the world in his image, it was the cleansing fire, the consuming fire that got rid of everything except for itself. And it still feels like and looks like sometimes, like there's a lot of different things going on. But the truth of the matter is, God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. We are that same light. Jesus identified himself as the light of the world and he identified us as the light of the world. So really, there's no darkness in us at all either, even though sometimes it may seem like that or feel like that or look like that. When it seems like that and looks like that and feels like that, it's kind of our responsibility to shine that light that we have and that light that we are. So I kind of have a lot to, I want to read today. I want to start out season three with a really good biblical foundation, even though uh, <laughs> I've been told that, and you probably know by now if you followed my ministry for, for any length of time, I've been told that uh, I really kind of see the Bible differently in a lot of ways than most quote unquote traditional church folk do. And I'm okay with that because I'm trying to tell you all what God is telling me. I'm just trying to listen and share the revelation that I have, that I have received, that I've studied out and worked on and worked out. So 
We're going to start in the book of Revelation, but first I want to read my key verse for today, and it's Mark chapter 10, verse 31 in the King James Version, and it reads, But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. I think this is an important biblical concept for us to understand, because I don't think God sees things the way we do all the time. I don't think God sees life the same way we do a lot of the time. I don't think God sees death the same way way we do a lot of the time. I think, you know, when, when the Bible talks about, you know, like a year is a thousand days and a thousand days is a year. That's not how humans think of things. It doesn't make sense to the quote unquote natural mind. So we have to get out of that mindset and we have to get into the mind of Christ or rather, we have to let the mind of Christ that's already in us be in us. We have to use the mind of Christ that we already have. So we have to, when we're talking about being first or the first, what we need to see, what hopefully we're going to see, first of all, is that it's Jesus. And second of all, is that it doesn't come from us trying to be first. And that's really what I'm going to try to talk about today is uh, is being humble, being uh, having humility being able to put others ahead of yourself, which, you know, I, in my opinion, being humble doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It just means thinking of yourself less. It just means, you know, when the Bible talks about esteeming others higher than yourselves, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think people are better than me. I think we're all just people and we're all just trying. But if I focus on other people, then I'm not being self-centered and I'm not worrying about myself and my heart's in the right place. Because a heart of love is a heart for people. Love is giving. It's never getting. So like I said, I have a couple uh, kind of lengthy passages I want to read. So let's get into it. Starting in Revelation chapter 1. And it reads, This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. So again, we see that... uh, I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's called like a perfect present tense where it's, you know, when we talk about all things are become new, all things have become new, all things are becoming new, all things will become new. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one who always was, who is, and is to come. So, you know, that's, we, we see that a lot in the Bible. It says... Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirit before the throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. That's a big part of what Jesus meant when he said, I am the first. It was the first to rise from the dead. And and listen, it's like, so the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world existed, the Lamb existed. When when God was before anything else was, it was still that that you know what we kind of understand as the Trinity, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's never a time that Jesus wasn't. But the Bible also describes 
the two men that have ever lived as the first man, Adam, and the last man, Jesus. So that's kind of, you know, in a big way, what it means when Jesus refers to himself as the end or the last. He's the last man. He drew us out of Adam and into himself, and he planted himself in us as as the final completed form of mankind, of humankind. So he's the first to rise from the dead, which made him the last of that old uh, hierarchy of things, the last order of things. Uh, he, you know, when he was on the cross and he completed and fulfilled the old covenant and brought forth the new, he's the beginning and the end, right? Of everything, of all the things. And I know that that can be tricky and that can be confusing, but it's, it's important to understand that it's all him. That's what I'm trying to say. So it says, uh, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come the Almighty One. Then in verse 9 it says, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard a voice, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, and this is red letters, this is Jesus speaking, Write in a book everything you see, and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and, standing in the middle of the lampstands, was something like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death in the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Way too much for me to get into there, but I wanted to read it to set this foundation for us and really get to the point where he said in verse 17, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever and hold the keys of death in the grave. Jesus is the first and the last. That's what we have to understand. And when we understand that, as we get into this, when uh, again in, in, in Mark, in our key verse, it says, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. 
When we understand that it's all Jesus, we won't need to fight for first place, which, as we're going to see, is really kind of an important deal. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. And what you can give is directly related to what you have, because you can't give what you don't have, and you can only give what you do have. So rather than trying to get something you don't have, we need to know what we do have so that we can experience and enjoy what we do have by sharing it by giving it away. The divine order of this whole uh, biblical, spiritual God deal is receiving and releasing. We receive his love, and then we release his love. We let him love us, and then we love him back by loving each other. That's why the Bible says in another place, we love because he first loved us. He gives us that love, and then we can give that love back to him by giving it to each other. So. My point is, is you don't have to try to be first. Jesus is first and last. If you're last, you're okay because it's still Jesus. He is, you know, the uh, the Bible talks about the last enemy to be destroyed was death. And Jesus just did that. He destroyed death. When he died and then rose again, he showed us that death has no power. We just saw in Revelation that he has the keys to death in the grave. And he unlocked that door and he let us all out of it. That's why we can have an eternal life. A life with no beginning and no ending. A life that just always is. It's the same, you know, our life, you know, not in our physical bodies, but our life, our spirit, our soul, whatever you want to call it, it's eternal. It always has been and it always will be. And I don't know what that looked like before my body was born. And I don't know what that's going to look like after my body dies. But I know that when we're talking about eternal life, it's not something that begins and it's not something that ends. And Jesus showed us to that when he was the first to, you know, uh, hold on, let me read it again. Let me see what it says. When he was the first to, uh, come on, find it real quick. He is the first to rise from the dead, is what he said. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. Which, you know, technically he, he, he brought people back from the dead, but I guess, you know, with his own power, he was the first to rise from the dead and then ascend up to heaven. So he's the one with that showing us what eternal, abundant, everlasting resurrection life really is. And it's a life of love. It's his life. It's Jesus, our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. So we don't have to strive to be first. Even if we're last, it's still him. He is the first and the last. So now let's look at Luke chapter 14. I want to read verses 7 through 11. And the heading here is Jesus teaches about humility. Starting with verse 7, it reads, When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then, when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
biblically speaking, spiritually speaking, however you want to say it, there's a very clear principle of works and labor never working. That's not what God wants. God does not want what you can do in your own power. God does not want you to try to get something. God does not want you to strive for first or, or any of these things. What God wants is for you to humble yourself. What God wants is for you to live a life of service. What God wants for you is to stop trying to get and instead to experience what he has given you by giving it away. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. So when we are always trying so hard to get, 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 when we are so focused on what we have or what we don't have, we're, we're literally robbing ourselves from what we've already been given, from what we already have. We're missing out on experiencing what we have because we're too busy ignoring that and trying to get something that we think we don't have. That's what drives me so crazy about religion and behavior modification and rules and commandments and do this way and be a good Christian and all that stuff. When you're trying to make somebody be someone they're not in order for them to get what they think they haven't got, you're robbing them of who they are and what they have. That's not what God wants for us. He made us, he made you specifically you for a reason on purpose. He wants you to be you and he wants you to experience the gifts he has given you in the special way that he created you to be able to do it. Like for me, like, like I consider myself to be a writer. That's who God made me to be. That's the talent he gave me. So if I was, you know, I can't draw a stick person with a ruler. Like that's not my skill set. That's not my talent. That's not my gift. So if, if I decided to myself, well, the only way for me to whatever, get famous, be successful, whatever, is for me to, to draw and to learn how to be an artist. I'm sure if I really applied myself, I could probably get to be better at it than I am now. But I would be wasting the talent God gave me. And the, the words that I can put out into the universe would not be there because I'd be too busy trying to learn how to draw. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have hobbies. If you love to draw, draw. What I'm saying is... Don't squander the gifts that you've been given trying to get something that you not don't necessarily have. Stay in your lane, right? Like be who you are. Do your thing. Do the thing that lights you on fire. Writing makes me so much happier than drawing. All right? Because and not just because I feel like I'm better at it, but because I feel like that's what I was gifted to do. When you find that thing that really lights you up and that really sets your heart on fire, do that thing. Because that's why you were created. That's what God made you to do. So just be who you are and don't don't try to get somebody else's seat. And if you sit in the wrong seat, you know, if, if you sit in a lower seat, God can exalt you. He can move you up to the right seat. But if you try to sit in the big chair and then God has to move you out, like Jesus said, that's embarrassing. Like that's nobody wants that. Nobody wants to. <laughs> uh, you can't sit here. You got to go sit down there. So much better to say, come here, man. Don't sit down there. Come sit up here with me. Like give people a chance to see you not trying so hard. Give people a chance to see you uh, just being who you are. And then, you know, they will invite you to be with them. They will invite you up to a better seat. Humble yourselves and you will be exalted. But if you try to exalt yourself, you will be humbled. The higher you try to climb, the higher you can fall. And I'm not saying you shouldn't strive for things. I'm saying in the context of humility and, and thinking of, uh, well, that's my seat. I should be sitting up there. Don't worry about where you're sitting. Jesus is the first and the last. All right. He's with you where no matter where you're sitting. So let's move to, I have one more passage and then one memory verse to close it out. I want to read Mark 
chapter 10, verses 23 through 31. And this is kind of similar. Hopefully you see my theme here about being the first. But starting with verse 23, it says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. We get so tied up with our stuff. And listen, hear me clearly. I don't believe that God doesn't want you to have stuff. I believe God doesn't want stuff to have you. Like when he was talking to the rich young ruler and he said, well, the, the, the rich young ruler said, what do I have to do to uh, earn my inheritance? Like some, you can't earn an inheritance. But Jesus knew the guy's heart and he knew what he was talking about. So he said, well, follow this commandment, this commandment, and do this and do this. And the guy said, oh, I've done that my whole life. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus didn't say, well, no, you didn't. He just, Jesus accepted what the man said. But then he said, okay, now sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And that was a step too far for the guy because he was rich. And rich people don't like the idea of not being rich. The problem wasn't that the guy had possessions. The problem was that the guy had possessions that he wouldn't get rid of. He wasn't willing to part with the things that he had. And if you have something in your life that you wouldn't be willing to give away to somebody in need, you need to really have a conversation about Jesus with that. You need to really think about whether that, you know, is, is this an idol in my life? Is this the most important thing in my life? And I'm not being judgmental. Like, you know, do you? I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not telling anybody to sell their stuff and give it to the poor. Jesus talked a lot about providing for the poor, but I don't believe that you need to ever cut, cut your arm off to give someone a hand. I think we're supposed to live out of our abundance. You know, John the Baptist said, if you have two coats, give one to someone that doesn't have want any, but that doesn't mean you freeze to death because you've still got one coat. If you have two and you give one away, you still got one. God wants us to, uh, you know, be able to survive. It's it's the same idea to me as when you're on an airplane and they tell you to, if something happens, put your oxygen mask on first before you try to help anybody else. Because if, if you're laying on the ground and you, you don't have any oxygen and you're passed out, you can't help anybody. And I do believe that there's a lot to be said about ministering out of your hurt, ministering out of your pain, ministering out of all of those things, because it's real. It's real to you. And it's powerful when you're hurting to help someone else. I think that's a good way to stop hurting, in fact. But at the same time, you have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure that you can, you know, function. 
So there has to be a balance there. It's like when, when, when speaking of, of John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin and his best friend, when, when he was beheaded, Jesus went out to be by himself and to grieve and to be sad and to pray. But the people called for him and the people needed from him. And Jesus did what he always did. And he went and ministered to the people. He put others first every single time. He got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. And they were all like, whoa, 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 you're the master. You're not supposed to do that. And he said, no, it's good that I do this. Because if I wash you, then you'll be clean. And there's a lot to be said there too. And I probably will rant on that at some point. But the what I'm trying to say is humbling yourself is the best sort of life that you can have. A life of service is the best sort of life you can have. If you're not, if you're running around worried about yourself all the time, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You know, Jesus spoke in another place where he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the flowers. They don't worry about it, but my, my father takes care of them. How much more you? We are God's favorite creation. We are the apple of God's eye. He will take care of us. And he's always taking care of me. So I can say that for a fact. Like I know God will take care of me no matter what. So I don't stress about it. I don't worry about it. I spend my time trying to help other people, trying to make sure other people have what they need, trying to take care of other people. And I think, you know, that's a father's love for his, his children is to be a provider, to be a protector, to make sure that everybody else is okay. And in doing that, you really, you know, I know you can wear yourself out by doing that, but you can find your strength in him. You, you don't need to always be worried about yourself. And there's another great biblical principle that talks about looking onto the affairs of others, because if I'm taking care of you and you're taking care of me, neither one of us has to take care of ourselves and we're still covered. We don't have to be selfish or self-centered because I got your back and you got mine. And that way we're still both covered because we're covering each other. So let me read my final memory verse, and then we'll close out for today. You, you know, I don't want to keep you long. I don't want to, uh, again, I don't want to try to swim too deep where it's hard to hold your breath. I just want to give you a little something to, to hopefully think about and work with. And, uh, and today I want to, you know, give you the, hopefully the biblical truth that first, last, it's all Jesus. You don't have to strive to be something you're not. You don't have to strive to get to a better seat. You can just stay in your lane. You can just do what you were created to do. You can just let God take care of the rest of it. And that's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says to close it out for today. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And like I said, my kind of personal definition of being humble is it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. When you're esteeming others higher than yourself, that doesn't mean you think, oh, I'm I'm awful. Oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I'm just a worm. I'm just a sinner. No, it just means don't worry about yourself. Esteem others higher than yourselves in the regard of, I'm not worried if I'm okay because I'm going to make sure you're okay. And again, you know, if I'm making sure you're okay and you're making sure I'm okay, then we're all okay. That's how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be a community. We're supposed to have those relationships. We're supposed to get along with each other and help each other. It's not good that man should be alone. That's why God created Eve out of the side of man. He took a, he took Eve out of man's rib. Not so man could walk in front and so woman could walk behind, but so they could walk side by side, so they could walk hand in hand, so they could walk together. 
you know, there's a, a, an ancient proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We really do need each other. And I've kind of come to the place in my life where if you have to lose in order for me to win, I don't really want to win. I would rather just us both go together. I remember I was watching the Super Bowl one year and I was rooting for one team and my little brother was rooting for the other team. And, and my guy had already won a couple of Super Bowls and, and Ben's guy never had. And I kind of told my mom, I was like, I wouldn't be that upset if, if Ben's team won this year. I mean, it would make him super happy. And that's actually what turned out happening. So I got put to the test right away. But I, I, you know, I, I, I complain about it now, kind of, you know, half-heartedly, kind of half-jokingly, like, oh yeah, well, if that hadn't happened. But, but really, in my heart, I was so happy that he was happy. Like, if, when, when, when you love someone else, you want their success. You want them to be first, even if it means, well, okay, I'll take, I'll, I'll be last. I'll, t- I'll take a back seat. It's if it's your time to shine, I'll let you shine. And I think that that's. A, a more excellent way. You know, I think that's what Jesus talked about when he said the greatest love a man can have is to lay his life down for his friends. And he was talking specifically about doing it literally because shortly after that, he went to the cross and literally laid his life down for us. But I think we can come to terms with the fact that we can lay our lives down for our friends by, you know, letting them have the spotlight, by esteeming them higher than ourselves, by not being selfish, by not being jealous but by esteeming others higher than ourselves, by giving others the spotlight, letting others have time to shine. And I think that that's a really, really cool place to be and a really, really good place to live. So that's what I wanted for today. That's how I wanted to start this season. Uh, I honestly have no idea where we're going to go this year. I'm just going to do what I do and kind of let the spirit lead me and guide me. Whatever God puts on my heart, I'm just going to put it out to you guys. And as always, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen